Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. Analytics are like a lamppost to a drunk. Useful for support, but not necessarily for illumination. For some of these guys that, you know, <laughs> basically are pigeons and sit at a desk and hide behind a computer, they can say what they want about me all day long because they have never done any of the things that I've done and I've lived my dream. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome to the show, folks. Week number two of season four. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa. Also, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. Got a nice show for you today. Travis Yost from TSN.ca will join me in just a minute. James Myrtle from The Athletic Toronto, editor-in-chief there, as well as Scott Cullen, who will be coming to us live from the Rochester Analytics Conference from RIT. So, uh, Scotty will be down in beautiful Rochester checking in. He'll uh, update us of what's going on down there at the conference. And also, Hockey Graphs editor-in-chief Asme Toomey is going to be stopping by. So, looking forward to that. But let's get to Travis Yost, the leadoff man. He led off Season 4 and leads us off once again Week 2. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. You know, I want to start with our poll question for you uh, at TSN Analytics, and it's which surprising team is most likely to make the playoffs this season? The Devils, the Avalanche, the Golden Knights, or none of them, and then in capitals, regression? <laughs> uh, man, if you could have given me a decent team in that list, I would have taken them even on a dice roll. Um, right. <laughs> I'm inclined. I'm inclined to say the most likely outcome is actually answer D. But if you, if you, that's not fun. Let's pick right. a team. Um, I, I think I'm going to pick Vegas. As crazy as that yeah, sounds, that's where I went uh, to. Yeah, they have been of the three teams. I think more directionally impressive. And the Devils, while I think that they have been a very fun early season team to watch, I, I just can't see them getting over the hump in that division. So the Devils might be a better team in Vegas today, but they're also, I think, playing in a substantially tougher division. So I will give the edge to – really, I give the edge to D. But if I had to pick a team, I'm picking Vegas over the other two. Yeah, I, I'd be with you there. Uh, Travis, looking at the uh, TSN.ca article on how long does it take to know a team's true talent. Bob McKenzie had said, don't believe everything after the first couple weeks. Take note after three and four. So now we're in week three. We're starting to slowly see some teams, how things are are shaking out or might shake out. And you pulled out every single game since the start of the 2010-2011 season. So that's a lot of work. Thank you. And adjusted the team's expected uh, points pace. So what, what did you find? So I, the interesting thing here, there's two, there's two pieces of this. Bob McKenzie was like, hey, look, I don't, I don't believe anything in the first couple of weeks, uh, but I start believing it after a month. thought that was a really interesting question. Basically, we went through and simulated every single season that we've had in the modern era, and the really interesting thing for me is that um, it, depending on what level of confidence you want, you can start really buying into a team's true performance, I guess, after about the first 20 games we start getting really accurate about 30 games into the season. When I say that, I mean, if you have 30 games in the bank, you pretty much know what that team is going to end up with in the point in the, in the standings with about plus or minus about seven points, which is pretty accurate. Right. Um, a, a great example would have been like, if you hit the 30 or so game mark on the Leafs last year, the most likely landing spot for them on a range would have been somewhere from like 88 points to about a hundred points. So, you know, at that point, not even halfway into the season, you had a good sense that Toronto was very much going to contend for the playoffs, um, and they ended up doing so. 
the, the big takeaway, though, for me is that there is a lot of uh, truth to what you know, Bob said about uh, the first couple weeks kind of being very noisy. Um, it's it's it, I, I see the first two weeks as or first two weeks, three weeks uh, as, as more of which is about 10 games as more of an ironing out process for coaches, teams, players. Um, trying to get a feel for who they're playing with, what things are matter, uh, what what lines work, what pairings work. Um, but, you know, I, I think it speaks well to the differences in the NHL versus some of the other leagues. Now, if you look at the NBA, for an example, by game 15 of the NBA season, you pretty much know if you're a playoff team or not. Sure. So it's almost double that for the NHL, which I think is fascinating. It's more of a team talent game than an individual talent game, and there's a lot more noise in hockey than basketball, so it makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that can give you a little bit of a breather if your team struggled out of the gates. But, you know, it, you put another 10 games of, of, of difficulty on top of what we've already seen for some of these teams. Uh, Anaheim, Edmonton, go down the list. It, you're, you're starting to get into an area where it's like, look, are we really at risk for not making the playoffs yeah. this year? Yeah, exactly. And the, the one exception might be you get to have that weird run that the Columbus had last year where you win, what, 16 in a row, then you just kind of coast the rest of the way, right? That's, that's pretty much it. So that, that's 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 the big that's the big uh, exclamation point on this, right? Like, I don't think a lot of people realize. I certainly didn't as I went into this, like how streaky team performance can be. So, I mean, you can go through a stretch where you go, you can win nine of ten games, and you can go through another stretch where you lose nine of ten games. And you know, all of this comes back to the the question of: Are eighty two games enough to really sort out the contenders or the pretenders from the contenders? I think the answer to that question is yes for every league: NBA, NHL. Um, the NFL in a relative scale on a 16-game schedule. But, you know, I, I, I think it actually lends some uh, argument, uh, lends some credence to the argument that maybe these seasons should be a little bit shorter. Do we really need an 82-game season? Probably closer to that for the NHL than the NBA, but I, I still think both leagues can probably pare it down some. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Now, uh, Montreal Canadiens, Travis. We talked about the early uh, part of the season. When do you look? First couple of weeks, the the Canadians just they just plain old look bad. They lost again last night, one uh, six and one. They have the lowest goals for in the NHL, but their defense might be even worse. How bad is Montreal? It's it's things things are not great and things are not great in Montreal right now. Um, the, the Canadians, and this is a great. This is probably chapter one in the example of. When do you start worrying? Yeah. The key for me with the key for me with Montreal here is the offense. We knew if there was going to be a weak point this year, we knew it was going to be with the offense. though, we said okay, even if Montreal's offense goes south and is and it is unproductive, uh, the defense and the goaltending should really hold up. Uh, Carey Price has been really bad to start the year, and Carey Price is an unbelievable talent. So the only thing that Montreal really couldn't have this year or couldn't afford this year was Carey Price to come out in the first 10 games of the year and post, I don't know, an 880 save percentage, which is basically exactly what he's done. Through six games, he's got one of the worst save percentages in the entire league. Um, expected save percentage, if you looked at what the, the shot quality that he's facing and the shot volume that he's facing, you see a, a, there's a wide gap between the two. So basically what uh, the conclusion there is that Carey Price should be making more saves than he probably is right now. So, again, like Carey Price, we have hundreds and hundreds of games and hundreds and hundreds of uh, data points on Price, and we know that he's still one of the best goalies in the league. Uh, but, you know, it, it is an interesting thought where it's like, look, if this guy is your one and potentially only strength right now with this team, what happens if when he goes through a rough stretch? And every player in this league is entitled to go through a rough stretch. The problem is that Montreal has no room for error. 
And if Carey Price is having a rough season, I'm telling you, there's no way that Montreal will not well, – there's no way Montreal will make the playoffs if Carey Price has a season like the one he's starting with early in the year because they are so reliant on him to be the best goalie every single night, and we're just not saying it right now. Well, and another team you could say is relying on their goaltender, Travis, is the New York Rangers with Henrik Lundqvist. We've seen regression out of him, and, well, they have a very similar record to the Habs, 1-5-2. and two. So the, the, the thing that can, keeps you up at night if you're a Rangers fan, at least relative to, to the Montreal Canadiens, is there's a lot more miles on Henrik Lundqvist. He is older. Uh, the, the team's performance has been shakier in the last couple of years than maybe Montreal I think the Rangers are in legitimate trouble, whereas I think there is still potential room for Montreal to rebound. Look, New York, number one, they're not playing in an easy division. Uh, We talk about the Pittsburgh-Washington gauntlet, right? But then it's always, you know, you've got to cut. New Jersey is out of nowhere. Even if they're decent, that's unexpected. Carolina looks really good this year. Columbus looks really good this year. I, I I don't know if the Rangers can get away with can get away with uh, him having a rough year either. But I Mm. think their margin of error is even less than than a Montreal team. Uh, Lundqvist has been the backbone for that team for a decade. Uh, Last year, he pretty much went through it. He did not have a great year last year, and the fans were pretty, myself included, were were looking at Lundqvist and saying, this is an obvious candidate to bounce back. We haven't seen that from him yet, and we really haven't seen that from the team. The the Rangers have looked beatable on pretty much every single night. And uh, I, I actually do think they are much more at risk for missing the postseason in Montreal. And quite mm. frankly, I think both teams are at risk right now. Yeah, I'm with you. And last one for you here, Travis. We'll go to some positive news. The LA Kings, are they back? I haven't lost in regulation. More of an up-tempo style under new head coach John Stevens. Sometimes it's not that Daryl Sutter turned into a bad coach, but sometimes you just need a, a refresher, a, a change in philosophy, whatever, and get back. They've always been a dominant uh, controlling the play type of team. Uh, what are you seeing out of this LA, uh, this LA crew out of the out of the gate? Well, I'm seeing two things, and to keep along with the goal, I will keep along with the goalie theme here. The first one is Andre Kopitar is looking like he is back. Yeah, Andre yeah. Kopitar had 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 not his best season last year. He is looking dynamite. He looks like he's 24 years old again. Uh, and that that when you're talking about Andre Kopitar returning to elite status, that's bad news for pretty much everyone else in the division. Mm-hmm. But the second one, and I and I mentioned this on Thursday, uh, the, I have always been a a Jonathan Quick advocate with one exception, which is I've always complained that he moves around way too much. And I, I understand the lauding of him being an incredibly athletic goalie. He's probably the most athletic goalie in the league. Um, but the issue that I have always seen is that Quick constantly takes himself out of position. And I think what you see is that his save percentage is very average every single year, despite what I think a lot of Kings fans would tell you. His, his numbers have just not reflected a high-end goalie. This year he has been sensational, and the, I don't know if this is anecdotal or not. I think we need more games, more sample to actually make this conclusion, but what I see from Quick is a lot less movement between the pipes, and a lot less movement to me is the exact type of goal you need in the modern era. Someone who's going to protect post-to-post, not take themselves out of the play, and let their body basically do the, the grunt work. If, if Quick has changed his game in any way in the offseason to be a less less post-to-post movement and more keeping shots in front of him, centering the body to the shooter type of goaltender. I, again, that's bad news for the rest of the division because I, no one has ever disputed the talent in Jonathan Quick's body. It's that I think he has never perfected or, or reached that balance between athleticism and turning, <laughs> turning shooters away on a consistent basis. So I think, I think we are seeing that uh, from Quick in the early goings here. And again, if, 
if Kopitar's back and Quick is back to being a higher-end goalie in this league, the Kings are going to the playoffs. Travis, a pleasure as always, sir. Let's do it again next week. Take care, Andy. All right, Travis Yost. Get him on Twitter. Always a great follow. Some hot food takes, too. We had the, the chip talk last week, so Travis Yost can talk it all at Travis Yost and get his fine work at tsn.ca. We'll take the break, come back. We'll talk some Maple Leafs and a swing around the Eastern Conference with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto. A lot more coming up here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Nylander back the other way. He's got Matthews with him. He's got the pass. Goals! Holy Mackinac! The kid's done it again! Out of the air, like he did in his first goal. Austin Matthews wins this one for Toronto. Austin 316 just keep doing it. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa. You can get us on iTunes and SoundCloud on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. And let's go to James Myrtle, Editor-in-Chief of The Athletic Toronto. James, how's it going, bud? Good, Andy. How are you? I'm doing well. Before we jump into the Maple Leafs, I want to get your take on our Twitter poll question at TSN Analytics, which is, uh, which surprising team is most likely to make the playoffs this season? Which most surprising team is most likely to make the playoffs? The Devils, the Avalanche the Golden Knights, or none of them? I'm going to say none. Yeah, I'm glad that was an option there. Because <laughs> I, I, I still don't believe in any of these teams, yeah. but um, it's going to be really, really interesting, especially if Vegas can hold on. I mean, they were already off to the best start for an expansion team in any sport in the last, like, 40 years. So not what I expected, especially with, with Marc-Andre Fleury going down with an injury, because, you know, I thought if they were going to have any success that he was going to be the backbone of that. Sure, sure. So to have that start, and that's got to be good for a new market too, right? Like it's, you have some hype coming in and they're not just losing out or, or anything. So it's nice to have that little bit of hype. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the uh, level of support and the level of interest in Vegas is much higher than I think we probably would have anticipated in Canada. So, you know, good for them. Yeah, no doubt. So let's get to the Maple Leafs Uh, right now. As of Saturday, they are six, one and oh, second place, one point back of Tampa Bay for the lead in the Atlantic division. And, Boy, oh, we heard the clip off the the start. Like James, uh, it, Austin Matthews. It, we we know how good he was last year, but to keep up that that torrid scoring pace, uh, what where's the ceiling for this guy? What do you think we're going to be looking at as far as this season goes? Because he did go through that slump last year, and we saw him regress a little bit before rebounding. Is there any way to, that you feel we can track what might be his ceiling this year? He had 40 goals last year, and his shooting percentage was about 14%. And I know some people in the analytics community were wondering, well, is, is 14% high? Is he going to come down from that? You know, where abouts is he going to fall? I thought maybe he was going to be pretty close to 40 goals, maybe a little bit under this season. Um, and then so far this year, he's shooting like 33%. So he's <laughs> he's kind of blown the 14% out of the water. It's really early. Um, I think it's unrealistic to expect him to score a goal a game or six goals in seven games the rest of the way, obviously. But you know, looking at how he's added even more tools to his skill set, you know, I think that he can be a 45-50 goal guy eventually. The only caveats I will add to that is that 
Uh, Mike Babcock is giving Austin Matthews much t- more difficult minutes than he had last year. He's playing against uh, top D pairings. He's playing against top forward lines. He's starting a lot of his shifts in the defensive zone. Um, he has fewer shots on goal this year than he had last year per game. You know, there are some indicators that it's going to be harder for him to score more goals. So I'm saying if we're trying to come up with a projection, I'd probably put him right around that 40-goal mark again. Right, and that's a great point, James, because of those more difficult starting points and that the shots are down naturally at some point, they're going to stop going in, at least for, for a, a portion of the time. So that's a great stat there to, uh, to keep track. So we're, we're looking 40-45-ish for Austin Matthews, potentially. Uh, what about the Leafs as a whole here, James? Like, have we underestimated them coming off of last season? Yeah, I think maybe a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think maybe we underestimated the impact of both Ron Hainsey, um, Nikita Zaitsev being in his second year, so the defense maybe being a little bit more sound. But the other thing we really underestimated was the effect of bringing Patrick Marlowe, who's still you know a top six, top seven forward on a good team, mm-hmm. uh, and bumping everybody else down. So all of a sudden you've got Connor Brown, or right now you've got Mitch Marner on the fourth line. That fourth line is much, much more effective than it was last year when it was you know Sashnikov or Ben Smith or Freddie Goche or you know the various other guys that they weren't getting a lot out of that fourth line most of last year until they brought in Brian Boyle and Kasperi Kapanen. And um, now you've got Marner or Brown on that fourth line and and Dominic Moore and Eric Fair, you're getting offensive production, you're getting good possession results from that fourth line. Um, They're just really, really deep up front and it's very hard for other teams to handle them. You know, there's not really... They, they try and throw their, their top players at Austin Matthews or Nazem Kadri's line, and they're still getting burned by the mm-hmm. third and fourth line. And there's not a lot of teams around the NHL that can, can do that. So, yeah, I think we, we probably did underestimate how good the Leafs could be this year. So does that depth from what you rattled off there from the first line all the way down to the fourth, does that primarily lead us to, to see why their possession numbers have gone to pretty good, to elite, at least this far in the season? Yeah, last year they were about a 50%. So they were pretty close to an average possession team. This year they're at a close to 55%, which is really, really good. I mean, it basically means they're spending a, a lot of games in the offensive zone in general. And, yeah, I think it's it's the depth that's getting them there. You know, it just um, the third and fourth lines are just much better possession lines. And now they've got Austin Matthews, as we already talked about, handling those more difficult minutes. And his line is still excelling in terms of possession. They're still getting, even though they're starting in the defensive zone most of the time, they're still getting 55% possession. So you look at the lines one to four, and there's not really any weak points for the Leafs right now. Certainly not offensively, and certainly not in terms of, of possession. In conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Myrtle. Okay, let's move big picture here. And as of a Friday night, we had three one-loss teams, James, uh, in the NHL, Tampa Bay, Toronto, uh, L.A., Vegas, and New Jersey. So Vegas and New Jersey were on our, our poll. Uh, let's look at the Devils for a moment here. What do you think has allowed the Devils to excel this season, and how sustainable is it? Uh I think what's happened is they brought in a lot of really good young players. Mm-hmm. You look at, you know, Will Butchers. The, they signed him as a free agent to come in and play on their blue line. He's got five assists on the power play alone. He's put up a lot of points. He leads rookies uh, in in the Calder race in in scoring right now. Uh, Jesper Brad, who came over a six round pick from Sweden, has been excellent for them. They've just introduced a lot of new players, a lot of youth. They got Marcus Johansson from Washington. It's a better team. Um, I really like the job that the coaching staff has done there. And, um, you know, it's if they get really good goaltending when Corey Schneider returns from injury, 
you know, I could see them continuing to be a team that surprises. But, you know, the Devils and the Avalanche are good examples of teams that have really injected a lot of youth into their rosters and had much different results than a year ago. And I wonder if that's going to become a trend around the NHL. And last one for you here, James. The Edmonton Oilers, they came into this year a lot of hype with the Maple Leafs, young, McDavid to the extension. We know it's way too early to say that it's panic time, but when do you think we reach that point? And do we ever really, with how how dynamic we know that offense can be in Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, I get the sense that it's already getting close to panic in mm. Edmonton with Dreisaitl being hurt. I think they really miss Sakara on the back end. You know, he was a big part of, of their top pairing last year. Um, unlike the Leafs, the Oilers don't have as much depth down in their third and fourth line and through their defense. And, you know, we're seeing how that can impact the team. So you can't just rely on McDavid. McDavid is so good. He's the best player in the league. Um, but it's hard for him to, to rise up. I mean, he's seeing really tough checking and, they, when Drysaddle was healthy, they moved Drysaddle to a different line to try and give them more balance and, and more depth and a different look for other teams to face. And, you know, that means that McDavid's playing with weaker players. So it's it's going to be really interesting to watch the Oilers because, as you said, the expectations were so high. People thought that maybe they were going to be the best team in the league, be yeah. the Stanley Cup favorite, off to a really tough start. And, you know, maybe it shows that, you know, you can't just win with a, a couple of star players and that, you know, it really takes a team to, to pull it off in the NHL. Yeah, and Edmonton 2-4-0 and oh, uh, as of Saturday here. And actually, James, uh, just seeing this now, uh, Bodog added the Maple Leafs as the odds-on favorite at 8-1 to one to win the Stanley Cup. Your thoughts? My thoughts are that maybe there are a lot of really excited Leafs fans that are putting bets down, so they've had to lower they've had to lower the the betting line on on the Leafs because there's probably a lot of people that have been waiting, you know, the fifty some years uh, for the Leafs to have another real contender, and and they're pretty excited, and they're probably excited to get in on the betting line when it was lower than eight to one. So right to jump in on on the hype. They've been waiting a long time to put some money down on that. Yeah, uh, well, now this year might be the year. Now's the time. Uh, James, what can people look forward to uh, this week on the uh, the Athletic Toronto? Yeah, we're working on a lot of different stuff. I know Pierre Lebrun's going to have a couple of big stories. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of Leafs coverage, Senators at Leafs tonight, and I'll have a breakdown of that up uh, early tomorrow morning. So looking forward to that. Excellent. People can subscribe at uh, The Athletic Toronto there and follow you on Twitter at Myrtle. James, as always, thank you. Thanks, Andy. All right, James Myrtle of The Athletic Toronto. And I'm sure most of our listeners have already subscribed, but if you haven't, get on. It's, it's a, the, the, the talent they've added and the quality of work is something you just can't really find anywhere else. So The Athletic Toronto with James Myrtle. Okay, we're going to go down to Rochester for a double dip. Analytics conference going down at RIT in Rochester. We have our own Scott Cullen who's going to wrap up the show with us. But up next, editor-in-chief of Hockey Graphs, Asme Toomey, is going to join us from uh, Rochester and tell us what she's talking about there at the conference and her work at Hockey Graphs. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Played off the wall to keep it in deep by the Bruins. And then retreating is Carlo. He was the guy who got it at the hash marks. It's fired. They score! Brad Martian with a snapper right over the shoulder. And the Bruins with a 
5-1 lead. Welcome back to the show. This is TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa. Get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, the TSN 1050.ca show page. We're all over the place. On Twitter as well, at TSN Analytics, myself, at AndyMC81. Our first stop down in Rochester at RIT is the Hockey Analytics Conference. We go to Asma Toomey, who is the editor-in-chief of Hockey Graphs. Asma, real pleasure to have you on. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm doing well. So first, how is how is the conference? How is Rochester? What's going on down there? Oh, it's it's fantastic. And for those that don't know what it is, it's an annual conference hosted by Ryan Stinson and Matt Hoffman of Rochester Institute of Technology. And it's a lot of fun just seeing everybody that you interact with on basically a daily basis on mm-hmm. Twitter, seeing them in person and seeing the cool work that they do. I got to go, I don't think it was last year, maybe the year before, to the one in Ottawa and got to meet a whole bunch of the guests that we had on the first couple of, of years. Now we're in season four. But yeah, you're right. It's nice to, nice to be, actually be able to put faces to names and, and share ideas. So it's, uh, it's a, a very good thing to have. What's the, the general theme at this year's conference? I wouldn't say there's a, there's a theme. I know some people think maybe it's a coding conference. Um, it's not really, although a lot of people do use code to determine their results. And I think this is what makes RitHack pretty special is just the breadth of topics that are covered. It makes it really accessible to everybody and relevant to everyone, from the casual fan to the super fan and to those that are super analytically savvy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, Asma, what we've seen really over the past probably five years, I guess, is just not just at the conferences, but the idea and how hockey analytics has evolved to just kind of the on the outskirts to being super insider to having it grow different sites and then having some of those great sites go away because they get hired by NHL teams. So we've, yeah. seen, we've seen these conferences develop. Um, how have you seen from, from this year so far compared to other, other years, the growth and, and maybe just in general, just the whole kind of movement, how it's evolved? Yeah, so I, I got into hockey analytics about three years ago, and I've seen it grow. It's just gotten mm-hmm. more sophisticated year in, year out as it's grown. Lots of fans are interested in analytics or, and trying their hand at it. And just so the sheer number of people coming in and, and doing that kind of stuff has contributed to the growth of it. And it's it couldn't be a more exciting time, honestly, to be a hockey fan right now as we're getting better and better at describing and predicting certain things about the game that we cannot glean with our mm. own eyes in any efficient manner. Yeah, it's so, it's yeah. crazy. Some of the some of the formulas. Now I'm, you know, uh, admittedly, I I'm, I'm not a, a math graduate or, or anything. <laughs> math when, the, when I was at the Ottawa one, I forget who was presenting by looked I'm like, "Oh my. Uh, I'm I'm glad I have guests <laughs> yeah. who can explain this to me because it see it can seem complicated asthma, but what the general hockey fan needs to know too is this is all a part of the equation of trying to decipher talent, themes, trends, etc. And, and when you when you break it down, it is so interesting, isn't it? It definitely is. And uh, so I hosted a workshop last night okay. where we kind of walked people through. Um, the steps that you have to take to build a model. And one of the first things he said before we started the workshop is, like, look, guys, we just want to show you that this stuff is totally accessible, no matter what your background is. Once you get into it, you follow the steps. It's it's definitely something that everybody can do. And we had some scary-looking equations up <laughs> on the slides, and, 
and people were definitely like, oh, wow, no. But, you know, once you break it down, it, it becomes accessible. And, and what I love about this conference in particular is we have such great speakers who are so talented in breaking it down and making it clear to everybody. In so you might not understand the, like, underlying theory too, too much, but they, they do a really good job where you're able to follow what the process is and what the relevant conclusions are. Exactly. And what makes it, yeah, what makes it relevant to the games you're watching? That's kind of been the whole idea of this show, not just rattle off numbers or equations, but why is it relevant to the games you're watching? And I think we've been able to see that evolve at these at these conferences, and, and you, you mentioned the seminar you had, but you're also doing, um, along with a few other writers at Hockey Graphs, have spearheaded a mentorship program on teaching those interested in, in, in analytics. So um, to, to have that, and, and from the mentorship, tell us a little bit more about that, because there, there was, a, I think, that, that coding workshop you were talking about. Right, yeah. So this, this mentorship program has been simmering in my mind for quite a while, and once I got promoted at Hockey Graphs, it was the perfect time to implement it. And it was inspired really by my own path into hockey analytics, uh, which was working alongside Dawson Springings, also known as DTM About Heart, who's recently gotten hired by Chronicle Sports. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, he, he was in the beginning sort of my mentor, if, if you will. He had a much more extensive knowledge of hockey analytics and statistical tools. So we were kind of working together on how to approach hockey questions. And I found that to be immensely rewarding for me and him. And I thought, hey, why don't we implement this on a larger scale? See if there's experienced hobbyists and team analysts that are willing to take on beginners and encourage them and point them in the right direction when it comes to this stuff. And I was absolutely overwhelmed by the interest generated by this program, I had, I think, over 100 or 120 applicants and only so many mentors. So it was, it was so cool to see so many people from really diverse backgrounds um, express their interest in, in hockey analytics, but not just hockey analytics as a topic, but like actually trying to learn programming languages to be able to answer complex hockey questions. Wow. And that, that was great to see for me and, and for all my colleagues in hockey graph, and I think the public at large, too. It's uh, us as writers, sometimes you get discouraged by the responses that we get from fans. Um, some of us think, oh, our work isn't relevant. It's, it's not really touching our writers, our fans or readers in any way. But just seeing, like, the, the diversity of the applicants that I got just shows, oh, wow, like, people from <laughs> other, other backgrounds are interested in doing this stuff. Yeah. So it's great. We're really seeing fans tap into this kind of stuff, and it's awesome to see. And we hope it just keeps on growing. Well, each year it seems like it does. Uh, Asma, where can people find your work? Obviously, it's at Hockey Graphs on Twitter as well. But tell us some, some things you're working on, where people can find it, what's coming out, and, and plug the site. Unfortunately, I, I've been really busy with school. So mostly I've been making sure that Hockey Graphs runs smoothly, making sure everybody, you know, it keeps being inspired and helping them with topics uh, to write about. And, yeah, that's, that's sort of been what, I'm, what I've been up to. And um, in terms of cool things we might see in Hockey Graphs coming up is we're going to have Namita write an article delving more into prospect development timelines. And she had a presentation about this today, and I okay. encourage everybody to go look at the slides. 
Awesome. Absolutely. And people, so people can follow Hockey Graphs at Hockey Graphs and yourself at A-S-M-A-E underscore T-O-U-M-I. Uh, Asma, thank you so much for taking the time. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Asma Toomey, Editor-in-Chief of Hockey Graphs down at the Rochester Institute of Technology Hockey Analytics Conference. We'll take the break, but head right back down to Rochester for our TSN.ca regular, Scott Cullen, Heroes and Zeros. And we'll get his take on the conference so far, all coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Perry at the hash marks being bodied. Wagner is there. He centered it, but Alsner fired it right back to the corner. Now, remember the shot they scored. Price should have had it. It went right through him. Absolutely. That was a bad goal. 3 nothing. Oh, tough start for the Montreal Canadiens. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. Back to wrap up the show here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa. And on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. So we just talked to Asma Toomey from Hockey Graphs in Rochester. Back to Rochester we go at the RIT Hockey Analytics Conference with our very own TSN.ca, Scott Collins. Scotty, how's it going? It's great, Andy. How are you today? I'm doing good. Is uh, the, it, we call it the Paris of the North? How is how is beautiful Rochester for you? <laughs> it is scenic. It is uh, especially inside uh, you know the uh, lecture hall at, at Rochester Institute of Technology. That's that's where the real beauty shines through. Truly, God's country, Scotty. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go. <laughs> we'll get to the top storylines and and get your uh, your take on the uh, on the conference in a minute. But first, let's get to. It's time for the best. best. And worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros with Scott Cohen and Andy McNamara. There we go. Hero number one, Zach Wierenski kicks it off. Yeah, the Blue Jackets defenseman who has uh, three goals, two assists in seven games, which is good. That's, re- that's really nice. Uh, he also has a 62% Corsi. Oh, my. And getting, getting that from a defenseman who's playing you know, first pair of minutes, that's, uh, that's a pretty dominant uh, kind of performance, and uh, I think it, it's noteworthy in particular because you know when when TSN did top fifty players at the start of the season, uh, Zach Wierenski was nowhere to be found. Uh, he was on my ballot, uh, and I and I'm kind of taking this this early moment to say he should have been on more because I think uh, people people may have may have forgotten how great his rookie season was and, and not realized that uh, he's a, he's a star. Number two is a winger from the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, Toivo Teravainen uh, scored his first couple goals uh, against Edmonton uh, earlier this week, and so he only has two goals in five games. But uh, the underlying numbers are positive here. He, he's got a 61% Corsi uh, so far, and uh, his, his shots per game has jumped up from about two per game last season up to 2.8 per game this season. And look, the Hurricanes need uh, all the offensive contributions they can get. Um, and, and Tara Vine is going to be expected to provide it. And so, you know, the fact that he has two goals in, in five games and no assists so far um, isn't great, but the underlying numbers suggest that, that production is on its way soon. So the heroes now to the zeros. And, Scotty, whenever Sam Bennett pops up on that list, I go back to the 2014 NHL combine and think, man, if he could have just done that chin-up, maybe he'd be better. <laughs> just one pull-up. Just That's one. All just one, yeah. Just give me one. Uh, 
here's the thing. Coming out of last season, he had 26 points last season. It was really disappointing uh, second year in the league. And, and I'm sure I had him as a, a sleeper of, of some sort uh, for fantasy hockey coming into this season because you thought, you know, the fourth overall pick, he, he, and he's too good to, to be – producing so little uh well maybe not uh we, he started this season with no points in seven games worse than that uh he has like five shots on goal in seven games 41 percent Corsi. Uh, he's just on the wrong side of the puck uh, on a pretty consistent basis here and and now the thing was that when the when the flames signed yarmir yager uh the initial talk was well yager's going to play on the third line you think well maybe yager's going to help uh pick up the production for sam bennett because yager's done that uh, you know with quite a few young players uh, since coming back from the KHL, he, he, uh, let Yager kind of do his thing uh, on on the right side, and it, and it kind of frees up some ice for for these young players who are who are just kind of getting their feet wet in the league. Well, Yager lasted for like three games on that line. They moved him up to the first line with uh, with Monahan and Gaudreau. Uh, so it, it's kind of tough to see where where the upside is right now for Sam Bennett because the production has already been terrible, and, and you don't even have the the hope that that Yarmir Yager can save him. And for the final zero, it's uh, we're, we're clumping together here, Scotty, a pair of Winnipeg Jets defensemen. That's right. I'm putting Dmitry Kulikov and Tyler Myers in there together, uh, kind of in the same way that a 38% Corsi has put them uh, together so far uh, <laughs> this season. And look, it's you know Kulikov was a questionable free agent signing from the jump. He had an awful season last year in Buffalo, and and you know people want to give him all all manner of excuses for why that happened. Um, but he, uh, you know, the, the fact that he started the season so poorly kind of kind of suggests that maybe all those excuses uh, d- didn't uh, excuse that behavior. The, his his play last year may have been more indicative of, of what's to come. Uh, and in the case of Tyler Myers, he's coming off, uh, you know, a really injury shortened season. I think he played 11 games last year, uh, but. You know the fact that they're hovering around 38% course, It's it's tough to to do anything in, in the league with uh, defensemen who who are getting outshot like that. Worse when they're guys who who you'll play significant minutes, and and particularly Myers. I mean, he's a guy who plays 22 minutes a night. Uh, so get, getting uh, beat up on the shot counts in, in that way is certainly one of the Jets' problems early in the season. And Scotty, real quick, you're at the uh, uh, RIT Hockey Analytics Conference. Is this, does it wrap up today or does it go tomorrow too? Uh, just today, um, they had some a, a coding uh, thing last night for for the really smart people, and then uh, <laughs> today they've been doing presentations. And um, we had Michael Blake McCurdy was on talking about models, and you got you got you know a number of people who are at the conference, myself included, who who we, we kind of build our uh, our NHL prediction models, and and uh, you know Manny at uh, at Corsica Hockey hosts this uh, competition where where all these models are. Uh, kind of making making daily picks, um, you know, with win percentages and so on. And and so Mike uh, Micah was talking about kind of what goes into building a model, and it is obviously a very smart and <laughs> thoughtful conversation from <laughs> that you might expect from a math professor. Right. Um, but you know that that's sort of the nature of what what goes on here is that you have people who are um, who are doing kind of some heavy math. Uh, in in spots, but then trying to figure out how okay how can we bring this to uh, the sports world and, and make it work. And in particular hockey, there, there are some challenges with taking the the math and, and you know making it in, into some usable form. Scotty, we'll find out more from you next week after it's all wrapped up on the show. But uh, enjoy the rest of the time in Rochester. 
Awesome. Thank you, Andy. All right. That is Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Get him on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen. Okay, we got to go, folks. Tune in next week. If you missed any of the show, get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, on the TSN1050.ca show page, or we post the link on Twitter at TSN Analytics and at AndyMC81. Thanks to all of our guests. So for producers, Sean Lavery and Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics.